0: Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, I talk to Michael Kumleitner, the founder and CEO of Walls.io, a social media content aggregator, and Swat.io, a social media management platform. In 2008, while working as a software developer, Michael spotted an opportunity to start an agency specializing in Facebook app development. A few years later, after seeing his clients struggle with managing their Facebook communities, he launched Swat.io to help solve the problem. But finding his first 10 customers took nearly two years. Around that time, a friend asked Michael to create a tool for aggregating and showcasing social media posts on TV screens at a co-working event. Now, realizing its broader potential, Michael quickly turned the tool into another product called Walls.io soon after the event. But growth was slow for both products. It took many years and a lot of hard work and persistence to get traction. Then the pandemic hit, causing big problems for Walls.io as live events suddenly stopped. Michael and his team had to quickly pivot to keep the product alive. Although he believed he could handle everything, the challenge of running the agency and building two products eventually became too much for Michael. That's when he decided to focus mainly on Walls.io, realizing he had to use his time and energy better. And that decision paid off significantly. Today, his two product companies generate over $10 million in annual revenue. In this episode, you'll learn how Michael navigated the initial challenges of building SWOT.io and Walls.io, including the struggles to find his first customers, what strategies Michael implemented to pivot Walls.io during the pandemic, and how that change significantly impacted the company's growth. We talk about how Michael balanced running two bootstrap companies and the lessons this taught him about entrepreneurship and growth, how Walls.io leveraged SEO content marketing and search ads as key growth tactics, and a surprising growth channel that failed. And finally, we talk about some of the unique challenges and lessons Michael's faced as a bootstrap solo founder, growing his business to over $10 million in annual revenue. So I hope you enjoy it. There's a world where your CRM is powerful, easily configured, and deeply intuitive. Atio makes that a reality. Atio is built specifically for the next generation of companies. It syncs with your data sources, easily configures to their unique structures, and works for any go to market motion from self serve to sales led. Atio automatically enriches your contacts, syncs your emails and calendar, gives you powerful reports, and lets you quickly build Zapier style automations. The next generation of companies deserve more than an inflexible, one size fits all CRM. Join 11 labs, replicate, modal, and more, and scale your startup to the next level. Get your free account at atio.com. That's attio.com. That's A-T-T-I-O dot com. Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? to download your free copy and unlock faster growth for your SaaS business, that's thesasToolkit.com. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, Omer. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I did think about it a lot, and uh, since uh, uh, since I've uh, been a founder of two SaaS companies. Uh, bootstrap both and uh, both times a solo founder, I I really love this quote, which is taken from a book from Sarah Lacey. Uh, and she originally titled her book, once you're lucky, twice you're good. And I adapted that slogan for myself. Uh, since I'm a two time 2 times founder, once you're lucky, twice you're stupid. Because uh, sometimes I really felt very stupid uh, doing it twice at the same time alone and bootstrapped. The book is very good, though, and uh, definitely also a recommendation.
0: Yeah, that's the key there. It's not that you're a second-time founder, it's that you've built two companies in parallel. And I think that's a really interesting part of, of your story, as we were talking earlier. Number one, you're bootstrapped. Number two, you're a solo founder number 3 you have built these two companies in parallel and number 4 you're not in silicon valley right like all the things that people say you need to be doing so it's going we're going to have some fun with this conversation and figure out what you've done um, you know because you've you've obviously done something right here why don't we start by you telling us about walls io what what does the product do who is it for and what's the main problem you're trying to solve and then also tell us about the second company swat
1: io Sure, sure. Happy to do so, Omar. So, uh, Wasio is, uh, of course, it's a B2B SaaS product in the social media marketing space. Uh, and, and our pitch is that Wasio engages your audience with user generated content. And by that, increases engagement and brand awareness, whether that's at events or um, or on your website or on your mobile app. Anywhere you want to use user generated content to increase engagement, that's where Wasio comes in. Uh, and uh, the second company, Swat.io, uh, is a social media management tool so that's a very very classical software category a tool that allows social media marketing professionals to streamline their community management their content planning analytics everything that the social media manager does uh, every day
0: give us a sense of the size of the business where are you in terms of revenue size of team number of customers
1: all in all, we are now uh, more than sixty-five uh, team members. That's about forty-five uh, coming from Swarco and about twenty from from Walshio. We do. We are coming from the same parent company. We are still sharing an office, so sometimes it's hard to say which uh, who is working for who, comp- which company. And so it's sixty-five in total. And I don't uh, disclose uh, any revenue numbers per se, but uh, what I can tell you, what I'm very proud uh, proud of, and also thankful for all my team, is that we have been able to cross the ten million. Uh, Dollars uh, um, annual revenue, both businesses combined.
0: Okay, so let's um, let's talk about how you got started. I think you you started IO first, and then about a year later, you launched Walls.io. So why don't we go back to those days? Like, what year was that, and and what were you doing at the time?
1: Uh, yeah, let's go back down the memory, memory lane. Uh, that's almost 15 years ago, I think. I used to be a software developer myself back then. And uh, I still remember 2008, I uh, found it super, super exciting when Facebook first launched their their first public API, their platform. So I was uh, dabbling around in my bedroom, building tiny little, and I would say stupid little uh, applications on top of Facebook. And uh, out of that, uh, I've uh, created my first business, which was a tiny boutique, boutique uh, software agency focusing on building marketing apps on Facebook and other social media platforms. Um, So that was the first real business I I created or founded myself. Uh, However, pretty quickly, I became aware that I don't see myself in running an agency forever. I wanted to do product. So I was, uh, I was happy that and, 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 and uh, blessed, I would say that from the agency business, I was able to develop the product ideas together with my team, uh, for both Swat.io and IO. And you're right. Uh, Swat.io was, was founded or, or created first as a product that's. Pretty much 10 years ago in 2013, it's sometimes hard to, to pinpoint the exact date because there used to be long periods of prototyping and being unsure whether this is a self-sustainable business until we really jumped into the cold water and said, okay, now let's make this a real product. And then I think two years later, or one yeah, one, year, one or two years later, we did the same thing again uh, with Walls You.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Swat first. So 2013, how, how did you come up with the idea? You know, you said you wanted to start building a, a product business, get out of this agency business. I remember those days, by the way, I remember when everyone said Facebook apps were the thing that were gonna change the world. And you know, there was kind of like this gold rush to go and build these these apps. Were you just constantly looking for a product idea around that time and trying to figure out how to get out of the agency business? Or was this something that, you know, opportunistically you you came across and decided to pursue?
1: Yeah, so both both happened at the same time. I was trying to find uh, ideas myself, and we we did side projects here and there, but nothing really really stuck, and nothing really turned out uh, viable. But the good news was, we only had to look very close at our agency customers to basically find the ideas ready made for us. So uh, the companies we were working with, like you said, the social media apps uh, were the hot Sorry, uh, forgive (laughs) my uh, pardon my French back then and suddenly huge or bigger companies and brands started to build Facebook communities. And they were having trouble because once you have a certain community uh, size of community, you have to deal with lots of incoming customer requests with spam. You have suddenly two or three people posting at the same time, and you need a tool to manage that. It was not really a big invention on our end, but we just saw what our, what our bigger agency customers were having trouble with and then started to build a solution for that
0: okay and let, let's talk about like what what you did in terms of you know validating the idea was this was this more about okay you, you just started building the the product or did you did you kind of go through and do the you know customer validation thing and interview some of your customers like how did you get to a point where you were like i'm confident that you know we're going to invest time and money into building this product we're going to bootstrap right so you, you don't have the, the the benefit of of you know having raised any money and you've got an agency business to to keep running at the time.
1: Uh, So that's a lot of questions to unpack. First, uh, we didn't do what uh, usually, what today you would recommend uh, to do, like doing customer research, validating a product idea. Uh, We were way too naive. uh, I was way too naive to do that. Also, for a very, very long time, I really thought like this, yeah, this is a side project, really. Uh, Maybe I can sell it to 10 or 20 agency customers that would have been already like, paradise for me. So, uh, now, nowadays as uh, has, I think more than 700 customers, right. So, uh, but, so the vision wasn't, wasn't fully developed yet in my, in my head, to be honest. Yeah. So, we, but on the, on the, so that's the, that's a criticism I would see for myself looking back, what we did right is that we, uh, were working on the product very closely with our future customers. We really made sure to, to build a, the first prototype not within months, probably even within weeks and get our customers their hands on it and start using it. They didn't pay yet, of course, but they gave us a lot of feedback which mostly helped us in really finding that sweet spot and uh, later reaching what you would call product market fit although i have to say it's also dangerous if you only have like a handful of existing agency customers who give you feedback that can also very easily drive the product management the product direction into a wrong uh, into into a wrong way so you get easily easily distracted by a single customer who has these crazy demands and crazy ideas which might sound right for them but will never be applicable to a broader number of uh, customers, so that was difficult to navigate. And to, if I'm honest, there's still, I think, even to this day, you will still find the odd feature in our product that clearly can be traced back to one specific customer who had a lot of, uh, who had a big word, uh, who had a big presence in our in our minds, and, and therefore influenced uh, product uh, product management.
0: How long did it take for you to get your first ten? 10- customers? And did they all come from existing agency clients?
1: Yeah, I would, I would say uh, the first 10 customers definitely took more than one year, something between one or two years. Uh, so it was really a kind of slow process. But that, has also, that also has to do with some lessons I had to learn during that time. We can talk about that later. And those first 10 to 20 customers, they were not exclusively uh, existing agency customers. Luckily, luckily, uh, what we achieved was that these early agency customers then started to spread the word and then new customers were uh, were joining. So after this one or two year period, we were pretty sure that we have a viable product on our hands, something that it's worth to uh, really go not all in, but definitely, uh, definitely allocate significant resources towards.
0: Okay, so it took a couple of years to get the first ten customers for SWAT, and presumably you it wasn't you know an easy thing to do because you've still got to run the agency you've still got to get money coming in pay the bills you know, keep the lights on all that stuff while you're allocating resources for for a fair amount of time without generating revenue so that sounds like a challenging situation anyway but in the middle of that you then decide let's (laughs) launch another product how did that happen S- sort of, sort
1: of, yes. So uh, just to get the timeline straight, uh, the the second product Swatio was uh, launched one or two years after uh, Swatio, and at this point, I was already pretty much com- committed on uh, on SWOTIO. Although you could <laughs> you could you could ask me how committed was I when I came up with the second <laughs> with the second product idea, so it, I was probably not fully committed yet. Uh, again, uh, again, this came the idea for was.io which at I- at its core is a social media content aggregator. So it, uh, it collects user generated content from all sorts of social media platforms. Uh, the idea for that came again from a very specific customer need or or it wasn't actually a customer it actually was a friend of mine who was uh, throwing and throwing an a party an event at a co-working space we didn't have so many of those in vienna back then and we just wanted to create a fun element for this for this event a video screen collecting and encouraging everyone to post on twitter and on platforms which are now long forgotten like like foursquare if anyone in your audience still remembers that we didn't have instagram back then so the idea came again from from uh, close uh, close ally slash customer slash partner and once we built that for this event suddenly other people were asking for it so again I had the feeling mm. maybe this could uh, be more than a side project a one-off project maybe we could productize this so it was very much the same, uh, the same uh, uh, or a similar story on how we came up uh, with the idea. But of course, in hindsight, I might have just said no and focused on the first idea. But I just couldn't say no to a great product idea that was uh, that was put right in front of me.
0: I'm curious, you know, when we talk about the two products today, they are clearly different, serve a very you know clear purpose and, and, and need. But in the early days, you could kind of put them both into a social media app bucket, right? So it possibly would have been as easy to say, let's just build all of this into one product. Did you go through that thought process where it's like, why aren't we just, you know, building this Uber product for social media that does all of these things versus saying, no, let's just do this completely different, completely separately, its own brand. its, you know.'" How how did you make that decision?
1: That's a great question. We we did consider that for a while. Uh, the the issue that I saw and, and still see, if you want to have like this three hundred and sixty social media suite, that that beast that can do everything, we would not have been able to pull that off uh, in the, the way we were bootstrapped. Uh, so this there, there would have been way more uh, like other competitors which we otherwise wouldn't have to face, bigger competitors funded with hundreds or at least dozens of millions of uh, of capital, who were able to offer these. Suite with way more features. There was not just Swario and and, and also, There was there was uh, social media paid advertising. There was a monitoring or listening. So if you really want to have wanted to compete in this suite uh, with this suite approach, we wouldn't have been able to to create all those products uh, in in our bootstrap situation. So that was off the table. And I think another reason for for uh, for deciding to have two independent products, which later became also independent legal entities. These legal, comp- like uh, separate companies. Another reason for that was to really allow both products and later both companies to uh, grow and and develop on their own on their own individual growth trajectory. So they weren't like tied to each other so strong. They could all both find their way, uh, which also, of course at one point uh, gives you more flexibility uh, when you're looking for partners, maybe at one uh, if you at one point uh, decide to to look for M&A scenarios or if you're looking for investments that uh, at a later stage, I think that's all easier if you have uh, mostly separated companies, separate entities who can go who can go their own way. But still, uh, you are absolutely right. Uh, I'm not saying this was uh, the absolute right or, or best decision. It uh, turned out uh, well for me and for our companies. But who knows? <laughs> who knows what would have happened if we went uh, the other way, as you suggested? So I'm not saying this is uh, like the only uh, the only solution or the, the best the best one, neither. But that was my thinking back then.
0: You know, when we were talking earlier, you, you said to me, you know, mixing agency and and product doesn't work at least, you know, for us looking back at it now you know things things worked out got you to where you are today but i'm guessing trying to do both cause more problems than maybe you know you wanted to deal with at the time
1: yeah sure uh, that, that that is true the question of course is always uh, do you really have a choice uh, especially do you have a choice when bootstrapping because you have to pay uh, your bills and your salary somehow right uh, if you if you're not lucky enough to, to get that capital from. Some earlier venture or I don't know from, from friends, families, uh, fools, you will have to, to bankroll the development uh, of your SaaS product somehow. And uh, I think in general, having a working agency, software agency business uh, is a great way to, to bankroll that first one or two years of product development. But as you said rightly, uh, it comes at a cost and, and uh, it has to be navigated uh, very consciously. Things I probably only learned along the way and which in hindsight slowed us down. Uh, unnecessarily. I guess the biggest and and in hindsight, of course, obvious learning is trying to have as dedicated as possible, uh, personal resources for agency and product as possible. So in the first year or so, we didn't have that we have we had a handful of engineers. Uh, Really, we didn't have much else than engineers, to be honest, and they were available for work both on product and agency. Now of course uh, what happens and I'm hearing that from similar founder stories so I'm, I don't think we are, I'm unique in that I think a lot of people go through that a lot of bootstrappers by the way are coming from agency backgrounds uh, it's also a very common uh, uh, treat so the, the, the mistake was not to have like separation in resources so of course short term revenue was, was calling like an uh, agency customer is asking for that super important project that has to be done by four weeks. And of course, what that meant is uh, for the next four weeks, nobody would work on our product. Everyone was focusing on the agency project. Yeah, we would get some cash flow, but uh, we didn't have focus and that definitely cost us a lot of time, at least in the first year, maybe even a bit longer until I understood that uh, there's no way to build for me, at least for us, at least uh, to build, uh, uh, to have enough um, velocity in building the product. Then by basically installing like a firewall and making absolutely clear that the first engineer moving them over to the product side, and he is not allowed to have to do anything um, with agency projects. Then as soon as as I saw some traction, move over the second engineer and so on and so on. You could do the same with marketing and sales, although we were like very much engineering driven back then.
0: Kind of beyond the you know in, in the first ten customers for both walls and SWOT, were, were you selling basically? to both products to the same type of customer to to agencies
1: that was a big overlap and for a long time we didn't have we need. Uh, well, at first we didn't have neither sales nor marketing specialists. So, uh, as so many bootstrappers, I had to uh, I had to uh, not level up, but change my roles. Uh, I was first very much focused on engineering, then building the product ideas. Then I had to do marketing. Then I had to do sales. So, so basically, it was me uh, for a long time trying to sell and market those products. And yes, it helped that the target audience has a very big overlap uh, which of course the, the persona is a social media marketing professional so so that certainly helped although there were also a lot of differences in terms of the markets we were playing it water was very much focused on german-speaking uh, markets well, also it was worldwide from the get-go but still there was there was overlap and that, that certainly helped
0: so let's talk about growth so one of the the the, the bigger growth channels for you has been content and, and, SEO, like what was the approach you took? What was the thinking as, as you were starting to build out your kind of marketing plan here? Cause I I'm guessing at the time you were the marketing team, right? So is this just you on your own figuring this out
1: in the beginning? Yes. Although, uh, although, uh, marketing was the first marketing was the first position I could actually. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm mixing up marketing and sales. Uh, one of those were really the first p- positions I could really afford to hire a professional. I think at Swarovski it was sales, uh, and at marketing it was uh, at was it was marketing, which makes sense because one is more direct sales heavy, the other is more self-service product-led. So yes, for Walter, it was definitely marketing. So for Wallsio, being like very self-service focused and uh, having a worldwide target audience, we we felt like going all in on the marketing side made a lot of sense. And, uh, we were pretty early in 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 that new software category of uh, user generated content tools. Uh, we didn't even have the word uh, UGC back then, I think. Uh, so that meant there was still a lot of uh, space in terms of content marketing, and therefore uh, and therefore effective uh, SEO. And so that that definitely helped. That wouldn't work today if I would uh, launch a UGC tool or a social media marketing tool today. It's very very hard to to uh, to be successful with content. It, it will take to it, it Will take forever since the spaces are so so saturated. Back then, it was still possible, and of course, it's still even today worth it pursuing such a such a, such an approach because uh, organic organic SEO is still the only thing that really uh, that has the best scale still. While uh, while other channels might be uh, clogged or saturated sooner or later, uh, owned uh, organic profile on SEO is is what what uh, what always works.
0: So, you, you, if I kind of recap that, it was you feel that one of the reasons you were able to get content marketing and SEO working was largely to do with with timing. You were pretty early, in, you know, entering that space around user generated content, and um, the market wasn't as as saturated as it is today with so many social media tools. So that helped you create content and start ranking faster and and getting discovered by customers
1: certainly but of course uh, of course it was still necessary to to provide really uh, really great content that uh, was uh, actually uh, valuable for for users existing users potential leads so, so there's there's no no way around that uh, if you invest in content and make sure it uh, it's really high quality and we did our share of mistakes here as well like uh, hiring uh, external agencies who would like churn out piece after piece after piece but uh, really Really not ideally aligned with our customers' needs. So in the end, we learned: hey, we should really do it ourselves, or at least learn how to do it ourselves first before we let someone, uh, uh, someone from outside, uh, doing it. So we we did our share of mistakes. We did also a few a few a few good a uh, few a few uh, intuitively uh, smart things, like uh, making sure that. Uh, that we, we, we gave away a lot. So, uh, very early on, we started to give away free licenses to, to NGOs, to nonprofits. And we just asked for links in, uh, in exchange, Hey, please uh, mention us as a sponsor, uh, uh, link. Here's our logo. Please link it on, on your website. They usually put it, uh, put it somewhere in the footer. So it's linked from every page. Uh, so, uh, over time that really helped us help really helped us build a, a good link profile.
0: Yeah yeah that's that's a that's a good strategy in terms of going after NGOs and and, and those sorts of organizations I, i'm i'm assuming that they, they have like pretty decent kind of domain ratings right
1: very often yeah 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 uh, that it happens a lot it could be organizations in the academic space which tend to have uh, very good uh, very high rated domains even if the single the single link is not like as valuable if you do this constantly and over years there's a lot of things happening, positive things happening.
0: I want to go back to what you just mentioned about uh, hiring agencies to to churn out content and that not really working. And I've I've seen that over and over again. Many many startups go through that that process. Some uh, maybe are six more successful than than others. But it's not the first time I'm hearing we eventually had to bring it in house. I know it's quite some time back, many years ago, but if you had to summarize, like what was the biggest difference between the type of content uh, these agencies were producing versus the type of content you were able to produce in-house, like how was it different and and what specifically do you think made the difference in terms of resonating with your, your potential customers and helping to drive leads?
1: Well, I would like to start with saying I, I'm not even like throwing uh, any agency we have been working with under the bus here. Uh, I think it was uh, I, I really think it was more like our own mistake to to uh, to outsource work prematurely before we even understood it ourselves. So, uh, we didn't know enough about our customer profile. We didn't know enough how, uh, we could uh, provide value. So, and, and, and if we don't know, um, who are the closest to our customer, how should an agency know there's always at least one or two layers between the agency and our end customers. Uh, it's, I think it's, 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 almost important, uh, impossible, uh, to, to, Reach that gap. So we first had to had to start to learn ourselves what kind of cur- content provides value, uh, who we are going to target, on which channels and stuff like that. Once we figured that out, we just were able to to create content that was much more. Uh, aligned with those uh, with those uh, requirements and with those goals. So maybe if we would have uh, done it the other way around uh, invest uh, uh, and build knowledge first on our own and then work with a super professional agent- agency, it might have uh, turned out uh, differently. I think the the big mistake here was, hey, we don't need to hire our own marketing professional. we can immediately outsource this like from a CEO perspective, uh, I thought like, Hey, I know I understand I need to do, or I, I believe I, I, I need to do content marketing. I currently can't afford a full-time professional. Let's outsource it without outsource it, without having any personal experience or expertise with content marketing. And that is a recipe that of course is bound to, to, to go wrong. Um I should have, first invested in my own in-house marketing professional who could then guide an agency and, and really uh, make it work. I think that's an important advice for if you are a single founder, solo founder and you have like a certain, uh, area of your experience. For me, that was engineering slash product. You got to understand uh, those other important areas. First uh, sales marketing before you hand it over to someone, uh, completely outside of your organization
0: yeah i think you're totally right and it's not just content it's everything right
1: it applies to most or all the things i guess yeah i
0: i remember somebody saying to me many many years ago that you outsource stuff that you have got a handle on you understand and then you want to you know get somebody to to help run that so you can free up your you know your team potentially to do something else and that if you don't really have a handle on it if you don't if you're not really doing that well yourself and you outsource it, chances are the problem is just going to get worse.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's the same thing today when you when you don't think about agencies, but uh, think about even lower, how should I say, lower price alternatives, like, I don't know, going to, to Upwork or Fiverr.com. Uh, it will be the same thing uh, if you don't understand the, the, the task and how it should be done correctly uh, yourself. It's, that will never work. Similarly, probably also similar. If you if you start thinking about outsourcing uh, these tasks to an AI, great idea. But uh, you should have understood uh, the task first before you put it into ChatGPT.
0: Right. The the other growth channel that uh, you were able to get working was paid advertising. And as you and I were talking earlier, the interesting thing here was that you got search ads working but not social media ads and i think it's a little ironical that you know you're you're selling a social media product and yet social media advertising wasn't you know it w- wasn't effective or helpful and yet search ads were so one just just kind of help us understand what you went through, what you tried, and then I have a few few other questions. I'd love to ask you about that.
1: Well, uh, yeah, you could say it's ironic. You could also say like it's almost embarrassing, but uh, but it's the but it's the truth. Well, I mean, uh, search ads, of course, or uh, yes, luckily uh, worked out uh, pretty soon and 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 without too much hassle, of course. Uh, search ads work because of the clear, clear buyer intent. And once our category was starting to be established, there was enough volume people looking for social media management tools or people searching for so even social media walls, which is like lower volume, but still uh, there's enough intent there. So it was easy to, to, uh, to work with that and, and make it also work uh, with a, with enough return on investment because both my companies, both our products, were at a comparatively high price point so we never never went like a, a low price uh, strategy so it was relatively easy to recoup uh, whatever we paid for clicks or for conversions through our customer lifetime so m- figuring out paid search was relatively easy although it has to be said it's not getting easier uh, over time so uh, everyone I think well maybe it's different in consumer uh, in consumer land but in B2B software land I think uh, paid ad Advertising has a clear tendency also to 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 reach a glass ceiling, to saturate, also getting more expensive the more competitors you have. So it's not all. Fine and easy, which brings me back to my first point that uh, organic uh, SEO and reach is basically the holy grail that uh, we are all uh, looking for. Now, uh, to the, to the social media paid advertising. I mean, in hindsight, it's clear what we made wrong here. Uh, uh, Advertising on social media uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't hook into an existing buyer intent but uh, does uh, aim much earlier in the customer journey of uh, your future client, your future customer. And I think uh, while that is... uh Pretty much obvious. What we didn't understand is that for catching or or touching a customer very early in their journey, like uh, when they even don't know that there is a demand for the problem we are solving, uh, we need to we need to provide much different and much broader, for example, content uh, to make such a such a funnel work. We we just didn't do it. Uh, we 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 just uh, we sort of understood that there is no intent yet, but basically used the same copy, the same landing pages uh, the same ebooks uh, and addressed with the same material as address the customer who is much much earlier and doesn't even know about us yet well I guess that was uh, bound to be a failure and we wasted quite some money on uh, on that uh, we are still working on it by the way it's not uh, it's not done for us yet of course uh, uh, if you broaden up your funnel in this way and that usually means you need to invest more uh, in creating the, the the appropriate content, and that's not always easy for for a bootstrap company. But uh, we are getting there, and uh, uh, we're also learning still a lot of uh, where we can uh, where we ideally can uh, reach our our audience. LinkedIn is uh, is a very interesting opportunity that works better than many other platforms. So yeah, we are learning.
0: Yeah, so I think now that you you, you describe it that way, it seems pretty obvious, but it's a very easy mistake to make until you get clarity on what stage of the customer journey the buyer is at. And it's very different when somebody is looking for some kind of user-generated social media tool on Google and finding you, and the intent is to find a tool, buy a tool, etc., versus somebody discovering the ad on Facebook while they were, you know, checking a feed about what their friends were up to. And they may potentially still be a buyer, but one, there's no intent. Two, they may be so early in the journey that they don't even realize they need to be creating user-generated content, right? So you have a you have a whole different type of, you know, education kind of process you need to go through before they'll even be thinking about you know, looking for a tool like yours.
1: Absolutely, and and uh, it took us a while to to get clear on that or to understand that uh, that whole customer journey. Uh, like thinking about where where is this social media marketing professional? What could what how could we create demand with them? How could we explain our solution, educate them on that? And uh, also very often that uh, like I mentioned before that that means creating investing more into content. I mean a Google search ad is pretty easy to create, even like hundred variations of it, yeah. But for for targeting a, a customer. In this early stage, you will probably maybe need something more uh, visual, something more emotional. You might uh, have to invest into video uh, and stuff like that. And yeah, that uh, took us a while to to figure out and to allocate the right resources to it to get that going.
0: The the other channel which has turned out to be crucial for for helping drive growth over the last couple of years and and possibly helping you cross that ten million ARR mark. Uh, has been working with channel partners and, and doing integrations. So, you know, integrations can mean a whole bunch of things, right, and partnerships. So just tell me what, what that meant for you and what what was it that you were doing that, that finally started working?
1: So this is mostly about the second company, about Wallzio, because we have a really uh, strong channel partnership program there. It actually happened uh, in 2020, right in the middle of the of the pandemic. Back then, was was still to a large extent used for for events for trade shows uh conferences all of which didn't happen anymore uh, in in March 2020 so uh, as a as a solo founder uh, that uh, kept me awake for quite a while until we uh, luckily understood that our product these social media content hubs were working in a great way also in virtual events which were then of course uh seeing a lot of traction in the middle of 2020 so our thinking was how can we get the most out of these uh, of these industry industry trends, and uh, for us it was clear we need to be we need to bring our social media content hubs into as many virtual event experiences as possible. Technically, that was very easy because uh, our product is basically a standard widget, an iframe widget, uh, which can embed it anywhere. So that was easy. We didn't have a lot of technical integration to do. Now it was all about identifying as many potential platforms as possible. Look at the biggest ones, the, those with the most traction, and then setting up a lightweight partnership program, integration program that allowed us to integrate our product into theirs. And what that really means is we want to be part of their app marketplace. Most of these, most of these pa- platforms, all of which are. have a uh, a tendency to be larger companies than ours. All of them have like an app marketplace, a list of integration partners. We want our logo, we want the Street logo to be included in these app marketplaces so that their customers can easily find us Maybe they also have no idea about using social media walls in the virtual events, but they will find us in the marketplace, can uh, can start a free trial, and hopefully uh, become customers like that. So that turned out to be a very successful uh, initiative or strategy. We later, first of all, it it it, it helped us uh, to survive the the pandemic year, the first one, uh, while we saw quite a significant drop in revenue in the, in the first two quarters, we were actually able to balance that out in Q3 and Q4, largely by our partnership program. Uh, So it was really a good decision to do that. And we later branched out and, uh, uh, extended the partnership program to other categories of software platforms. Event platforms first, and we later added digital signage uh, solutions. We are now adding uh, HR and employer branding uh, platforms. So uh, we are continuing and extending that partnership program.
0: Now, in, in terms of day-to-day operations, I, I think you've stepped away from IO and, and are focused on, on IO now. I want to understand like how you think about positioning the two products and differentiating them from competitors. Now, Swat I O kind of more of a traditional social media management tool in a super crowded, super saturated market. So one, I wanna understand what you do there to to position and differentiate yourself. And then the same question with walls, like, you know the, this idea of social walls is there are more and more products around that do that in different ways. So again, how do you how do you differentiate? How do you make it clearer in terms of your positioning to your potential, you know, your your ideal customers that you are the the best choice for them.
1: Well, uh, this is a real struggle for both companies ongoing, I think for so many, for so many SaaS companies out there, let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, I, there's hardly any software category or SaaS category that is not crowded and oversaturated. Uh, we all know those uh, uh, SaaS landscape uh, logo maps, right? Where you can see hundreds, thousands of logos. Uh, and Honestly, no customer can differentiate us. Uh, put the pricing page, pages next to each other; it's extremely hard for a customer to decide uh, what product uh, is is the right match. So uh, that that being said, uh, we we followed we did follow different uh, strategies here. For Swarvio, we uh, made two very clear decisions early on, which are to most extent still still valid and in place. Uh, the first the first one was. A super sharp uh, focus on uh, in markets. We were clearly saying, "Hey, we want to focus on the German-speaking markets. We have a great advantage there. We speak the same language. We're in the same time zone, and we understand the legal and later privacy-related uh, requirements, like GDPR and things like that." So we were very focused on those on those on those markets where our frankly bigger and sometimes maybe. Better product-wise, better uh, positioned uh, U.S. competitors had a very hard time to uh, to compete. If we would have focused on me- small or medium companies, that would have been harder because th- they don't care so much about GDPR, for example. So, at the same time, while we were focusing on German-speaking markets, we were focusing on mid to larger size companies uh, and also larger uh, ACV, larger larger contract value, and that combination uh, allowed us to find our our niche, although it's not such. small niche and we are still growing, uh, growing from that market. And that turned out to be a successful uh, decision. However, I have to say, especially since, as you mentioned, I I put down my uh, operational duties uh, at spot.io. I'm now in an ownership role, which means, of course, I'm very, very tightly uh, working with the management team. But what we also uh, see now is that for growing further than we are at right now, and we have to think ahead, of course, we will have to reconsider both of these uh, limiting factors, both uh, the market Shall we ever play only in the German-speaking markets, and also shall we only play on the mid-to uh, uh, enterprise-sized uh, uh, companies? Uh, the latter one we already started to relax by starting to offer a self-service model with Swadoil two years ago, and we will see what my management team comes up with in terms of uh, in terms of geographies and markets. So it was a good decision for a long time, but it has to constantly be uh, be uh, reconsidered. Uh, now, similar with uh, with Wall Street, the, the market by now is is also pretty uh, pretty crowded, and again, I think the answer is uh, positioning and. Uh, Trying to explain to your customer, to your potential customer, why you are so much better than that uh, cheap uh, competitor that uh, undercuts your price constantly. And uh, a lot of that answer is in quality of service. How fast is your uh, aggregator working? Is it working with official APIs or are you scraping, which is very unstable? So product quality really is something that uh, you will, in my opinion, and I think of myself as a product person always comes first in differentiating, like making clear the product value is better in investing and double investing into your your product value. Uh, secondly, as I mentioned, yeah, the pricing and the positioning um, should make that also clear that you are a high-quality solution, that you don't want to compare yourself to the $10 per month uh, competitor, that you are a completely different beast. And that's the challenge, of course, in, in for marketing and communicating your value. It's not, not going to be easy, but it's the only way uh, it's the only way you will survive if you are in a market where there is a very low cost uh, competitors so or new new entries onto the market
0: i want to talk a little bit about your role as a founder and one being a solo founder and two running two companies at the same time when people listening to this interview or, or listening to you could easily be mistaken for thinking well you know he had it easy it, he got lucky it worked out for him he's got this you know this 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 uh, these two businesses that have, have both you know survived and thrived but there was a time when you realized you know this was a big struggle this was affecting your personal health it wasn't necessarily helping you know, the, the growth of the companies. So give us a picture of that. Give us a picture of the struggle so people can understand, you know, the, the both sides of, of this journey here.
1: I want to take the, the, the opportunity and first uh, state something completely clear while I often talk about that I created the product and I came up with this idea and I did that. Of course, it was very often me, but uh, I wouldn't sit here almost 15 years later with two, uh, with two profitable SaaS businesses if it wasn't for a very, very strong team uh, that is working behind me. Not on the co-founder level, of course, it's different, but uh, I I have people on both my teams who are working with me for 10 years or more, and uh, without them, uh, it would not be possible. So if I... Can or uh, want to be uh, like like remembered? I want to be proud of something. Is that uh, at least a few times I really had a good uh, a good uh, intuition to pick the the right person uh, the right people for my team. So, um, that being said, you are right. A lot of uh, uh, and that's going back to my to the quote uh, I initially uh, uh, threw threw into the microphone. this uh, once you're uh, once you're lucky, twice you're uh, good or or stupid. There is of course a certain uh, amount of luck involved. I also won't deny that we had a very great timing being right in the right moment uh, of, uh, uh, in the right, right moment of time, focusing on social media, that was exactly the right time that is. Partly luck, partly uh, intuition. I, I, honestly, if I would st- have started 10 years later, I would probably have had maybe a similar intuition about uh, crypto. I might have failed most likely with that intuition. So it's not that easy. You also uh, have to have luck. And... Of course, there was all this organic uh, development of my two companies. Uh, I think, I hope I was able to explain the history of how we came to Swarteyo and Walsh, that a lot of these things happened uh, from a point of uh, nativity and not having like super strong vision. And I'm fine with that, uh, that I'm not embarrassed by that or anything. It was just the way I, I evolved personally as an uh, entrepreneur, but that being said, That's how I ended up in this double uh, CEO role. Uh, Nobody in their right mind, I guess, would do this in a planned way two comp- like you said two companies two times bootstrap two times solo founder that's uh, that, that is not healthy uh, at least for most people i mean maybe if you if you uh, if you think you're elon musk you can do that and run uh, 10 companies as a ceo but i think most uh, most human beings uh, should uh, focus on one thing uh, but it is what it is i had that's what that's that's what i woke up with and you're right uh, it took uh, it took a toll uh, it took many years of uh, of, of uh, uh, being focused only on work and having no Uh, no balance at all with private life. And uh, that certainly wasn't healthy, wasn't healthy all the time. Luckily it never got to a point where, where I really had to like, I don't know, uh, pull the emergency switch or whatever, but uh, I might have been close to that. Uh, More importantly, I just realized uh, how I'm like uh, making my own life harder by this constantly switching back and forth. Uh, Like, uh, I mean, There is no multitasking, really. You just switch from one task to the other. And some people do it faster than others, but you always lose uh, time uh, with context switching. And I had that uh, 10 uh, 10 hours a day, at least uh, switching between Swadoyo and Bozio. So at one point, luckily, I realized this is not ideal. Not for me personally, but more importantly, it's not ideal for the companies, for both companies, because we had two growing products. Both had a lot of potential. And I'm very sure that uh, by remaining in that single or double CEO role uh, that cost us time or potential, uh, which we would have achieved faster if I would have made the step back from one of the companies earlier. I'm not complaining. Uh, it, I think in a way it was necessary, like I said, for my personal trajectory uh, as a founder. Uh, it all has probably some, some, some meaning in the end, but uh, it might have been better to, to make such decisions to step down from one uh, earlier.
0: All right, um, we should uh, wrap up. Let's get on to the lightning round. I'm going to ask you seven quick fire questions. What's one of the best pieces of business advice you've received?
1: So, uh, I think I think it's about networking and and, and what I believe networking really should be um it's not that uh, you're connecting, sending someone a LinkedIn connection request. And once they have accepted, uh, start selling to them. Uh, for me, networking really means investing a lot in one to one relationships. And that usually means you. Offer your help. You give a lot of things. Uh, you you pay forward until you finally maybe uh, uh, ask for a favor in return. That's that's uh, so so trivial and obvious, but yet uh, so many people think networking is sending out as many LinkedIn uh, requests as possible. I also am a believer in Dunbar's number, which I think says you can only have meaningful uh, relationships with about 150 people. And I think even that number might be too high. So uh, I think. Uh, Having like a small but meaningful network goes a long way.
0: What book would you recommend to our audience and why? It's an older book. It's,
1: I think the first edition is 10 plus years ago, but they had a, a reprint, or a revised edition uh, lately. It's called In Search of Stupidity, 40 Years of High-Tech Marketing Failures uh, by Merrill Chapman. And uh, it, it's basically... It does what it promises uh, on the cover. It's super fun stories, especially for people who have been in the industry for more than five or 10 years. You will uh, uh, revisit a lot of fun uh, marketing failures from the days of IBM to Microsoft up to HubSpot. It's really a fun read and uh, very much recommended.
0: That's super interesting. I'm definitely going to read that book. Um, What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder?
1: I would say it's openness and eagerness to learn uh, and to learn from everyone in your organization, whether that's your co-founder or whether it's a customer support agent, being on eye level and being open to learn from everyone.
0: What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit?
1: I would say it's doing a personal time audit, and I'm not sure for those who are not familiar, the concept is that for at least a month you make a very, very uh, detailed log of every task of every of every task you do, with the goal of having a really good understanding what am I actually spending time on, and you can do this with a Google Sheet. I'm doing it with a software tool called Timeular Time. U L A R. Uh, um, whatever you do, it's very insightful, and uh, I'm kind of addicted to it by now. And, and I keep doing these time audits to optimize and to be aware of my time being
0: spent. I, I've been thinking about doing that as well, but I'm, uh, I'm afraid what I might learn from that experience.
1: <laughs> that's a very good point, and it is very revealing, and it can be scary and it can hurt, but I think that's the point of it.
0: Yeah. What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time and wanted to build a third (laughs) business in parallel?
1: Uh, okay, first of all, I go on the record here. Uh, I'm not going to found a third uh, SaaS company in parallel. I'm, I swear to God, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I can also go on the record: if I ever found another company, it will not be in the social media space. But uh, that's a different story. So I don't have any crazy business idea uh, per se. But uh, what I really would love to do is to do something in the physical world, like uh, in-person events, for example. I'm super huge on on, on community, on, on getting together, sharing. Uh, so uh, something like a, like a conference or a meetup, it doesn't have to be a business per se, but that is something I would be very interested in doing. And who knows, maybe, uh, I have some ideas. Maybe there is something happening in 2024. Right.
0: What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know?
1: And, okay, those who are working with me they know it by now but uh, but everyone else probably not.' I'm, uh, I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, the country of Greece. Uh, actually I've been in Greece every year for the for my whole life uh, starting from age1 uh, age wow. uh, and I also yeah yeah so I, I like my parents uh, brought me there and, and I have been there every year sometimes more than once a year. So obviously I love the country and yeah that's uh, that's a fun fact that some people know but not everyone.
0: And finally, what's one of your most important passions outside of your work
1: yeah uh, I would say I would say my friends my family my friends that's uh, that's the only that's the only thing that is uh, as important as work and where I spend as much time for and with
0: yeah I totally agree okay great well Michael thanks so much for for joining me and, and unpacking the the story of the last ten or fifteen years in, in a relatively short amount of time appreciate that if people want to check out the two products. They can go to walls.io or swat.io. And if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Easiest, of course, is uh, look my name up on uh, uh, on LinkedIn. If you prefer email, that's michael at walls.io. Please don't hesitate to get in touch if you if you want to share something or maybe even if you need some help somewhere. Please uh, please let me know.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm glad we got to to do this. And uh, I wish you and the team the the best of success and uh, a successful new year as we approach it.
1: Thanks a lot, Omer. It's, uh, it's It's been a pleasure, it's been fun, and it's been an honor to be on your show.
0: My pleasure too. Cheers. There's a world where your CRM is powerful, easily configured, and deeply intuitive. Atio makes that a reality. Atio is built specifically for the next generation of companies. It syncs with your data sources, easily configures to their unique structures, and works for any go to market motion from self serve to sales led atio automatically enriches your contacts syncs your emails and calendar gives you powerful reports and lets you quickly build zapier style automations the next generation of companies deserve more than an inflexible one size fits all crm join eleven labs replicate modal and more and scale your startup to the next level get your free account at atio.com that's a TTIO.com. dot com.